This is More to the Point Audio with Russell Moore. Proclamation and conversation about the kingdom of Christ. Let's stand for the reading of God's word in Micah chapter 5, beginning with verse 5, uh, verse 1 down through verse 5, Micah 5, 1 through 5. Let's listen to the word of Christ breathed out through the prophet Micah, 700 and something years before our Lord Jesus was ever born. This is what the word of God says. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your light would break from your word. Father, that we would see with that great multitude in the heavenly places all of those unseen angels and all of those unseen spirits and all of those unseen redeemed whose voices all proclaim Jesus saves and Jesus alone saves. Father, would you show that to us today, believer and unbeliever in this room? Would you compel us to look into the face of our Lord Christ? And see you there. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A lot of people are disappointed with Bethlehem. They ever take a trip to the Middle East and they go to the town of Bethlehem. People will often say, I'm just disappointed. I took a group there last year and people were amazed when they looked at the Lake of Galilee, and they were really moved when they went into Jerusalem. But when we went into Bethlehem, a lot of people were disappointed because it doesn't seem the way that you think it will be. We're all expecting the Bethlehem that we grew up with in our Christmas songs and in our Christmas hymns, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. We've got that image of this idyllic little village there with the night sky and that huge star over it with these shepherds that are out in the middle of this neatly kept field with their sheep. But when you drive into Bethlehem, you see a place that is behind wire. You see soldiers with guns everywhere. You see a crowded, dirty little city with advertisements for cell phone cards and for liquor and for political candidates for the Palestinian Authority. 
You drive along and you see people who are impoverished and people who are angry and people who have just been married and people who are going to funerals. It seems like any other little Middle Eastern town in a war-torn area. And that's appropriate. Because the city of David, where our Lord Jesus was born, the city of Bethlehem has always been in the crossfires of a war. And as you and I gather together this Christmas season and start thinking and praying and singing about Bethlehem, we will have to see Bethlehem as Bethlehem is in order to see our Lord Jesus as our Lord Jesus is. We will have to see Bethlehem in order to see the gospel, in order to see the way that God acts. It's exactly why the prophet Micah stood there before the people of Judah and the people of Samaria. Some 800 years before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem and he spoke to them some very hard words. He says, while you're pinned in here like a bird in its cage from all of these armies from Assyria, a nation that wants to destroy you, that wants to drive you to the sea, while you find yourself in the middle of all of this tumult and warfare, while God is coming against you with all of the judgment that he has against you for your sin and for your rebellion, he says, but I see something coming out of Bethlehem. And as you and I look backward at what the Holy Spirit showed to this prophet, we will see something of the way that our God acts in Christ. Notice, first of all, as we look here to Micah chapter 5, we see that in Bethlehem, God brings greatness out of smallness. Notice what Micah says. He starts off by speaking about a humiliation. He says, you need to gather your troops together. We're under siege. And everybody hearing this would have understood exactly what that meant. Because they know about those armies that are gathered around. They know about the fact that at any moment they could lose their food supply. At any moment they could be invaded. Everything was all up in the air. He says, notice you have been humiliated. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. You've been insulted. You've been hit. You've been hurt. You've been humbled down. He says, so you better get your battle ready. But then he says something really surprising. He says, gather your troops together. And then he starts talking about Bethlehem. We all know what it's like to have countries attacking our country. And countries who would like to attack our country. And we all know what it's like to stand up and say, let's everybody get ready. Let's all contribute to the war effort. It would be entirely reasonable if Iran were to launch an attack on the United States of America for all of the music on the radio stations to start saying, you better watch out, Iran. Here comes the United States of America. But what if... After Iran attacked the United States of America, 
the president of the United States came on the television and said, everybody, we got to be ready to fight back because Iran, I want you to know, Kokomo, Indiana is coming after you. Don't say Kokomo, Indiana. Can't you find something scarier than that? This, this little town out there in the middle of Indiana, that's not going to strike fear in anybody's heart. And what is unique and special about Kokomo? That, that's how they would have heard this. Let's get our troops together. Let's get our battle together. Let's be ready to whip the enemy, Bethlehem. This little bitty city, this little speck of nothing that he says here is too small to be among the clans of Judah. He says, but something is going to happen with you, Bethlehem. That's a word that means the house of bread. Ephratah, that's a word that means fruitful. He's going to bring bread. He's going to bring fruit. He's going to bring life and he's going to bring it through this little town here that's too small to even be noticed, too small to even be counted. But notice what he says. From you will come a ruler in Israel whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. He says, there is going to come from you somebody who is a warrior, somebody who is a fighter, somebody who is a leader, somebody who is a ruler, somebody who is ancient and old, and yet somebody who is new. And he tells you, and his name shall be great. Now, people hearing this would have heard Bethlehem before. Because this is the town that David came out of. Their mightiest warrior king. But remember how David came about. David was a sheep herder. And not only was he a sheep herder out there working in the nastiness and the labor of driving those sheep along. He was also a little runt of a fella of a sheep herder. I like him a lot. As a matter of fact, when Samuel, the prophet, went to go and find the new king, nobody even thought to bring David out because they said, surely you want somebody who is more majestic than this little punk kid, somebody who doesn't appear to have any grandeur, any authority about him at all. But the spirit leads Samuel to Bethlehem and the spirit leads Samuel to David and he anoints David. And as he does so, he anoints Bethlehem. He anoints this little insignificant city in order to bring out of it the one who will redeem the world. That's why Bethlehem matters. What God is doing by giving birth to his Messiah, to our Lord Christ in that little city of Bethlehem is showing us exactly what the gospel does. 
takes what is small and insignificant and brings greatness out of it by turning our attention away from ourselves and our attention toward the greatness of the name of Christ. That's what God has done in history and that's what God is doing as he brings about the Christ life in you. Nobody in Bethlehem would have been imagining on the night that our Lord Jesus was born, the emperor of the world is here. No one knew it. And when these scholars from the east came in to see the king of Judea, and he said, look through all those ancient scrolls and you tell me where he's going to be born. The people in his court came forward and said, well, the prophet Micah says it's going to be in Bethlehem. From that little small place, God gives a name that is great in the name of Jesus Christ. And do you know that as the gospel moves through you, as the Christ life moves through you, he does the exact same thing. You say, well, my life story is nothing really significant at all. I'm a, I'm a waiter at Cracker Barrel. I'm a, I'm a lawyer down in a place where I do the same thing every single week, week in and week out. I'm going to be doing that same thing for the rest of my life. I take care of kids all through, through the week. I manage tax accounts all through the week. There's nobody who's going to remember my name after I'm gone. The greatness that comes is a greatness that comes through Christ so that what the gospel says is that not many of you were noble, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many of you were great, but God has chosen you to be heirs of the kingdom. Why? Because he has brought greatness, he has brought ruling authority, not out of the temple courts, not out of the royal palaces, but out of what seems to be so ordinary and insignificant that it is too little to even be counted among the clans of Judah, the place of Bethlehem. That's how God acts. But notice also, the prophet tells us that it is out of loneliness that God brings community here in Bethlehem. He says, from you, Bethlehem, this ruler will come. And then notice what he says in verse 3. He will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Isn't it interesting? That when the prophet speaks of Bethlehem, he speaks of the nation as being in labor. As somebody who is in agony, as somebody who is giving birth. Exactly the situation that was being experienced by Mary, our Lord's mother, as she is going into that city in order to try to pay the census, in order to try to do what the government was requiring her husband to do. They go there into the city and she is in the pains of agony, but she is in the pains of agony alone. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us, as we all know from our Christmas stories, there is no reception there for the birth of this child. There is no even place for him to be born because there's no room in the lodging place. They have to find a cave in which our Lord Jesus is born alone to no great fanfare at all. 
No one in the town of Bethlehem even knew that this king had been born. The only reception that he gets are from people they don't even know who show up and say, we've been told to worship you. The the silentness here, the loneliness here of Bethlehem, this being under siege, the prophet says, comes to an end when... In verse 5, when the rest of his brothers shall return. Why? Because that's what the birth of Jesus is. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Not God with me. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Tom T. Hall used to say, no, 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 it's God with us. The prophet says there is a day in which this ruler who is coming out of Bethlehem is going to bring all of his brothers to return and to rest in the land. He is bringing out of the loneliness of that moment a family, a community. You know, there are a lot of people who find Christmas really sad. Maybe some of y'all. Christmas is something that leaves you with a little bit of a sick feeling in your heart. For some of you, it's because you've got all of these Christmas memories of people who aren't here anymore. And you just kind of wish the holiday would move on through and go away. Some of you, it's because you're alienated from family members and you're spending that Christmas wondering, am I going to hear from my dad? Is my daughter going to call? For some of you, it's because there's, there's there's some kind of alienation, some kind of enmity between you and the people in your household and you're wondering, are we going to make it through this Christmas without getting divorced or without having an argument at the table? There's a lot of people for whom Christmas is a very, very lonely time. It reminds you of the loneliness that is already there. The prophet stands up and says to the people, this siege that you're under, this sense that you are all alone in the world, he says, it is only for a short period of time. It is like the time that you are going through a labor, through a giving of birth. But on the other side of that, He says there is a community, there is a family, there is a unity, and that is what has happened in Bethlehem. You are not alone. God in Christ is with us. Our Lord Jesus right now is standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he has skin like we have. He has eyelashes like we have. He has a blood type like we have. He has fingernails like we have. He has endured every kind of temptation and testing and suffering and more that all of us in this room have and yet without sin. And he has given to you not just his life, not just himself, but he has given to you brothers and sisters in the community of the household of Christ. The rest of his brothers shall return with him 
He brings you out of this. Then notice finally that the prophet tells us that in Bethlehem, God brings out of warfare peace. He says, get your troops together, daughter of troops. Get ready to fight back against those who are striking you here on the cheek. But why? It's because of what he says about that ruler in verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock. Our problem is, we live in this American time period in which we don't really know what a shepherd is. I grew up in a town called Wool Market, Mississippi. And it was called Wool Market because it used to be a market for some wool. But it had been a long time since anybody had ever seen any sheep there. Just one or two every once in a while. Most of us never see people who tend to sheep not only for a living, but as their entire identity in life. So most of us, when we think of shepherds, we think of precious moments figurines in a nativity set. Or we think of little Linus standing up with his blanket on his head, reciting the Christmas story in the Peanuts Christmas special. We don't see what they would have seen when they hear about a shepherd. A shepherd is a fierce and rough kind of a character. A sheep herder is somebody you did not want to mess with if you ran into him. Because they're spending their life always with the adrenaline flowing and ready to go in case a wolf shows up or in case a a lion shows up, in case they have to fight off a thief. He says, there is going to be a sheep herder who will come out of this town of Bethlehem who will shepherd. And again, we see shepherd as something kind of sweet and cute. Like somebody who is saying to the sheep, come on, walk with me, walk with me. I'm shepherding you now. That's not how you herd sheep. Notice what he does. Look in verse 6. He says, they shall shepherd the land of Assyria with what? With the sword. He says, I'll show you what shepherding means. Shepherding means knocking your teeth out if you mess with us. That's what a shepherd does. He says, this one who is coming out of Bethlehem is going to stand and he is going to shepherd the flock of God in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. That is why when our Lord Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the angelic beings don't appear in Herod's court. They don't appear to the Sanhedrin in the religious place. They appear in the night sky over a group of sheep herders who are tending their flock by night. It is a terrifying experience. The glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid as they see those angelic beings speaking and announcing to shepherds. Why? Because the one who is being born is the shepherd, is the one who will gather all of the people of God together, will protect them from their enemies, and will lead them to the place of feeding. That's what Jesus does. 
He says, he will stand and shepherd. And notice what he says. His name will be great. That's what the angel told Mary would happen. You will call his name Jesus and I will make his name great, God says. His name will be great. They will dwell secure because he will be great. And he shall be their peace. What do the angels say to the shepherds? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom he is pleased. Somebody just told me this week that they found a Linus doll. One of those things where you push a button on it and it speaks. And it was Linus speaking the role that he does in that old Peanuts Christmas special. And I thought, well, I'd, I'd really like that because there, there are times when, when uh, the Word of God, there was a time in my life when the Word of God just hit me by watching that little animated thing on television in a way that, that just struck me with the freshness. I thought, I'd like to get that little Linus figurine. And I said, no, no, because what they did with this is they put all of it in there except... For unto you has been born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You leave in the angels and you leave in the peace, but you get rid of Jesus. If you get rid of Jesus, you do not have the peace. The peace only comes with the one who is able to end the war. And how does Jesus end a war? Jesus does not end a war by evacuating. He does not end a war by surrendering. Jesus brings peace by defeating all of his enemies until they are all under his feet. That's what peace looks like for Jesus. He will be their peace with the war all around he brings that wholeness and he brings that peace. If you're living in Judea in the 700s BC, it's easy for you to know there's a war on. Because there are people trying to kill you. If you're living in Bethlehem in the first decade, of our Lord's life. It's easy for you to know there's a war on because Herod has said, I'm going to go into the houses and pull out all the baby boys under two and slaughter them. But for many of us, it is not easy for us to see that there is a war that is going on all around us. There are rebel angels who would see to it that we are destroyed. There is a sinful side of all of us that would like to pull us down under the vortex. There are some of you right now who are at war within yourselves. You can have no peace because you want what you don't want to want and you are being driven in a direction that you don't want to go and you love your sin but you love the idea of being free from your sin and you are just in conflict with yourself altogether. How is peace brought? It is not brought simply by hearing some sweet sentimental Christmas songs. It's not brought simply by learning to live with things as they are. 
peace comes when the Lord Jesus invades your life as he has already invaded history and as he takes down everything within your life that is standing in rebellion against his rule. That's how he brings peace. Notice what Micah says when he starts the whole thing off. He says, with a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. People hearing that then would have thought it was just a figure of speech. Our Lord Jesus stood in their place and in our place and was struck on the cheek, spit upon, humiliated as every one of my sinful thoughts and every one of my sinful words and as every one of my sinful actions were laid upon this grown-up now child of Bethlehem who bore in his own body the judgment that is headed toward all of us. How does he bring peace? By absorbing all of the warfare into himself, not fighting back, but then coming out of a grave so that the ends of the earth know together Jesus saves. There are some of you in this room who know Christ but you are miserable right now. And the reason you're miserable is because you have moved your attention away from Bethlehem toward things that you consider to be greater than that. Repent. There are others of you in this room who are weighed down and you're weighed down with a guilt of a conscience or with a despair of a heart, and sometimes you wonder if there is even anything or anyone out there who can ever hear you. You can live your life trying to move from one sensory experience to another. You can make your life a lifelong Christmas in the commercial, contemporary sense of just finding newer and glitzier things have, but you will never have peace. You will never have community. You will never have greatness. You will never have Christ. It is a terrible, terrible thing to live an entire life disappointed with Bethlehem. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's some of you this morning that the Lord's saying to you, it's time for you to think some things through in your life. There's some of you this morning who have recently come to know Christ. You've cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. You need to tell somebody about it. I'm going to be up here at the front. There are going to be other people up here at the front who want to talk to you about that, want to welcome you into the family of God. There are others of you who say, I don't know. I don't don't know where I stand spiritually. Don't leave out of here. There are going to be people up here who can pray with you and talk to you about that. There are others of you who have people on your heart, weighing heavily on your heart right now, especially this time of the year. Because of 
wanderings going on in their life because of their exile that's going on in their life. Don't leave out of here without grabbing somebody and saying, let's pray together for this loved one. There are others of you that God's calling to some kind of obedience, to baptism or to membership here in the church or to something else. I want to invite you right now as we stand and sing. Several of us are going to be up here. If you want to talk to somebody, if you just want to come to this platform and pray, please do not leave without doing that. Hey, thanks for listening to More to the Point Audio. For other resources, check out our website at www.russellmore.com. Thank you.